Luke chapter 13 and verse number 23. Uh, the Lord Jesus has gone round cities and villages as he's going towards Jerusalem. Then said one unto him, Lord, are there few that be saved? And he said unto them, Strive to enter in at the straight gate. For many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in and shall not be able. And finally then, if you would turn back to the gospel by Matthew, uh, Matthew chapter 7, please. Matthew chapter 7 and verse number 13. This is the Lord Jesus speaking again. Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat, because straight, or narrow is another word, is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. And finally, if you just look down to verse number 21, not every one that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. And we know that God will bless the public reading of his precious word. I want to speak to you tonight about these passages we've been reading from the Word of God, and I want to structure them under three headings. Your problem, God's pardon, and two possible outcomes. But before we get to that, I want to start off by clearing away a common misconception in today's world. If you're used to coming to meetings like this, you probably know this already, but just so that we're all on the same page. Not everyone is going to heaven. The Lord Jesus has made that plain in the text we have read, he was asked, are there few that be saved? And he says, you have to strive to enter into the narrow gate. Many won't make it. Not that God has made salvation difficult in any way, but there is only one way, and that is through the Lord Jesus Christ himself. He is the gate. Notice that going to heaven is not automatic, like some would think and some would teach. The Lord Jesus says that the way to destruction, to damnation, to hell, he says it's broad. There's many people that go there. But to get to heaven, to be saved, to have everlasting life, he says the way is narrow. Only a few find it. You see, not everyone is willing to bow and admit their position before God. The Bible says that the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are being saved, it is the power of God. I hope you grasp why this matters. I hope you believe there is more than just this life. There is an after this. The Bible clearly lines up with reality. We believe this to be the inspired word of God. We believe it's been proven accurately historically. We believe it's been proven accurate in prophecies, things that were written before they happened. You know, the Lord Jesus, he claimed to be God. He did things that only God could do, and he said it was accurate. There's a story that's been told before. It's a true story about a Christian businessman. He lived in America, and I think I don't think he was particularly old. I think I don't think it was um, uh, something that they were expecting. But something happened, and he was given only a short period of time to live, and so he was he was in hospital, dying, and he had a wife, two sons, and a daughter. Four of them, the businessman his wife, 
his eldest son and his daughter, they were all saved. They had all individually at some point in their lives acknowledged their sin before God and trusted Christ as their saviour, as their only way to heaven. But the youngest wasn't saved. The four of them visited this man in his hospital room as it came near the end. And he spoke to them all individually about their lives. To his wife, his eldest son and his daughter, he spoke to them of how things they had done together. He told the children how glad their parents had had been to see them get saved. And then he said to each of them the same thing. He said to his wife, good night, dear. I'll see you in the morning. To his son, good night. I'll see you in the morning. To his daughter, good night. I'll see you in the morning. When I came to the youngest son, he was called Charlie. The father spoke to him about his life, things they had done together. He said that him and his wife had loved Charlie as much as the other two, and that Charlie had been given every opportunity to be saved. But his parents were disappointed when he never was. And he said to him, Goodbye, son. Goodbye. Now, Charlie, he noticed that the response to him was different from all the others. And he gripped his father's hand and he said, Why have you said goodnight to them and goodbye to me? The father had to respond, Well, Charlie, it's because we are all saved. We will all meet again in heaven on that happy golden morning of reunion. But he said, Charlie, you never got saved, and so I'll never see you again. That's why this matters. Christianity isn't just some story, some way to live your life. We are all going to die someday. No one is immortal. And this matter of salvation defines where we will be in the next life. For those of us who are saved, if we were leaving this world, we can say to each other, Good night, I see you in the morning. But for those who aren't saved, we would have to say goodbye. I'll never see you again. You see, God dwells in heaven. His desire is for all of us to be there as well. But if you are intent on living your life without God, he will not force you to dwell with him eternally. Hell was made only for the devil and his angels. But that's where you will end up. That's where I would have ended up if we will not be saved, if we do not want to be with God. Can you imagine if your husband, your wife, your children, or whoever kept telling you something and you just, you wouldn't believe them? How offended do you think they'd be? Well, this is the God of the universe that you're basically calling out as being a liar. He sent the prophets before his son, it's recorded in history. He sent his son to the cross. You know, the fact that Jesus died in the cross is one of the most sure facts in the history of the world. I'm not sure if there's a single historian uh, who disputes it. God wants to see you saved and in heaven. But why do you think Christians tell, tell others about God? It's because we want to see you saved and in heaven as well. But ultimately, it's a decision that's up to you. It's not even up to God. God will simply do with you what you have chosen, whether you have chosen to live your life with him or without him. Thankfully, the businessman's son, Charlie, He took himself off with the Bible, and before his father passed away, he had repented of his sins and trusted Christ as his saviour, and he was able to say, good night, Dad. I'll see you in the morning. And so that's the question I have for you, dear people, to consider tonight. If this was your last night on earth, if you were to slip out into eternity, 
what would it be for you? Would it be good night or goodbye? Like I mentioned, I want to consider the verse we have read under three headings. Your problem, God's pardon, and your two possible outcomes. Your problem. So dear people, do you know that there exists a problem between you and God? It's a problem that we all have. Just as DNA is passed down from our parents and ultimately Adam and Eve, so too is this problem of sin. We see it come out obviously when people murder and steal, but it's just as important when we get angry over insignificant issues, we tell lies no matter how big or small, when we refuse to believe the judgment of God. Romans 3.23 says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Sin is laughed off in today's world, my friend, but to God it's serious. To God it's a big problem and it's something that must be dealt with. It's not enough to think that we are all sinners, but you must accept it for yourself that you, my friend, are a sinner and you cannot go to heaven with your sins. This is why the Lord Jesus said in the passage in John, no man cometh unto the Father but by me. You can have Christ and heaven and eternal blessing, or you can have your sins, but you can't have both. That's why he said in Matthew, many will seek to enter in, but shall not be able. These people will be happy to live life apart from, apart from God, apart from Christ, just in their sins. But once this life is over, once they see the Lord Jesus coming in power and glory, they will want to be in the kingdom, but it will be too late. This is why he said there are few that find the narrow way because they think too much of their sin and they think nothing of Christ. People think that God will or just should let most people into heaven unless they've done some great particular evil. But that would be a greater miscarriage of justice than anything that's ever happened in the courts of men. Even the idea of good and evil, it tells you there's a way things are meant to be and we can all see that they're not. They aren't the way they're supposed to be. Because you see, each of us, we have all offended the eternal, infinite, righteous, holy, awesome God of the universe. And frail human beings such as we, made of the dust of the ground, we have nothing that we could offer God to make amends. We're in debt deeper than we could ever pay. There was no hope for us until God stepped in. Your problem is your sin. God's pardon. God stepped in. Even though we sinners were the ones in debt, we were the ones who had rebelled. Did you know when Pilate was judging the Lord Jesus, the crowd cried out, we will not have this man to reign over us. Did you know that? If you haven't yet submitted to God, that's the cry of your heart. You want to have absolute control over your life. Even though God holds your very breath in his hands, provides you with air to breathe, food to eat, you want independence from the sustainer of your life. And yet still God stepped in to save us. How, you might ask? By sending his son. I already mentioned the fact that the Lord Jesus dying on the cross is one of the most sure facts in the history of the world. But I wonder, did you ever stop to ask why? Why was he there? The words of the hymn say, On a hill lone and grey, in a land far away, in a country beyond the blue sea, where beneath that fair sky went a man forth to die for the world and for you and for me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The Lord Jesus, he is God's only Son. You said they, they, dealt, they dwelt together in time past and eternity. And 
There was a time that came when the Lord Jesus, the Son, he left the Father's side to come into this broken world of sin. He came into this world, he grew up as a boy and became a man, and it was all with one purpose in view, that he might go to the cross to bear the wrath of God for a world's sin, to stand before God and take the wrath that God must pour out because sin must be judged. Yes, man did their worst by inflicting terrible sufferings upon him. We read of those uh, in Isaiah, in the Gospels, how that they whipped him and they would put a crown of thorns upon his head and they would drive those nails through his hands and through his feet. But we cannot even begin to understand the wrath and the sufferings poured upon his soul by God. You see, sin could not simply be overlooked by one who is holy and righteous. And because God is infinite, we have offended someone who is infinite. That means that the, the offense is infinite and it cannot be paid by a finite being such as we. And that's why the punishment must last forever. The punishment must be eternal. God could not pass the sinner by. His sins demand that he must die. But in the cross of Christ, we see how God can save yet righteous be. The judgment fell in Jesus' head by his shed blood since debt is paid. God's justice will demand no more and mercy can dispense her store. How do we know that the debt is paid and that God is satisfied? Because the Lord Jesus Christ, you see, he rose from the dead the third day. The tomb is empty. He was seen alive by many, over 500 people on one occasion. He met with people privately. He ate with people. And then he ascended to heaven with a promise that he will return. You see, God has graciously provided sinners with the means to have their debt of sin paid. He did not have to do anything. He could have just sent us all to hell. But I want to put this like it's you standing in the bank. You have an overwhelming amount of debt on your account. And someone very rich walks in and they, they say, I'll pay that. They have the means. They have the desire. But unless you accept it, if you say no, the money won't be put to your account. You'll still be in debt. This is why the Lord Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. Many religions in this world point to a multitude of things to get to heaven. Some of them even say Christ is part of the way, but that's not what he said. He said, I am the only way, Christ alone. Salvation, being a true Christian, having everlasting life and being fitted for heaven. They don't come through things we do, how we try to live, whether we go to a church or give to charity. They are found in knowing a person, a person of Christ. The Apostle Peter on one occasion, he described the Lord Jesus as the one who had the words of eternal life. But he does not just have the words of eternal life. He is the source of it. It comes from him. Your problem is your sin. God's pardon is that he has offered you pardon based on the work, the payment made by Christ at Calvary. And so there are two possible outcomes. I've already spoken about this, the two possible outcomes in Matthew 7. There's the wide gate or the narrow gate. Which one do you want to go through? Will it be everlasting life or eternal darkness? Heaven or hell? It's up to you. You've heard the gospel. You've sinned against God, broken his laws and are only fit for hell. But God has intervened and offered you a way to get to heaven. That's the message of the Bible. That is the gospel, the good news of God for sinners. So are you ready and willing to admit your guilt before God, to give up your sin, to trust Christ as your only way to heaven? The hymn, I think, goes, And when I reach the pearly gates, then I'll put in this plea, 
I am a guilty sinner, but Jesus died for me. In Acts 17, uh, it says that God now commands men, all men everywhere to repent. He wants you to acknowledge your sin and believe the gospel. That's how to get saved. That's what it means to be a Christian. God is not willing that any should perish. He desires all to be saved. He loves you and he paid the ultimate price by giving his son. Are you ready to accept that the work is done? You know, when he was on the cross, the Lord Jesus cried these words, it is finished. That means that all of the doing was done. There is nothing else that we can or need to do. The verse on the wall says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I can recommend him to be your saviour, as can all the Christians here, because we, we have found him to be a great saviour for us. A warning I just want to mention is that there's a difference between believing about Christ and believing on Christ. The devil and the demons, we read of them in the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. They all believe about Christ. They all believe he's God's son, but they're still going to hell. Believing about him won't save you. That's why we read Matthew seven twenty-one. Not all those who claim to be Christians will enter heaven, only those who do the will of God. And the first step in that is found in John chapter 6 and verse 29. It says that ye believe on him whom he hath sent. We were thinking of the Apostle Thomas recently. Uh, he's, he's the one that is in uh, John 14 here. And he was a man with doubts. He wasn't there when the other ten disciples saw the risen Lord uh, the first time. And so he wouldn't believe. He refused to believe. But what we noticed was that he kept company with those who had claimed, who claimed to have seen the Lord. He wanted his doubts cleared. He wasn't content to sit alone by himself wondering or ignoring the problem. Because he recognized this, that the basis for Christianity, the basis for if there is a next life and where we will be rested on this, had Christ really risen from the dead. And so he kept company with those who claimed it to be so in order to have it proven to him. And it was. And then Thomas went around preaching the gospel because he knew the message to be true. And I wonder if there's anyone here who has doubts. If there's anyone who wonders if Christianity is true, has the Lord really risen? If that's the case, I would recommend that you keep near to the Christians until your doubts are resolved. There's no point sitting alone somewhere trying to work it up out by yourself. Company with those who claim it to be so. Your problem is your sin. God has offered you pardon based on the work, the payment made by Christ. And so you have two possible outcomes, belief or rejection, heaven or hell. You know, finally, Paul says of the Jews in Romans 10.3, and it might apply to some here, that they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. I wonder, does that describe anyone here? Is there anyone ready to stop your doing and trying and running and ignoring and simply take God at his word? Acknowledge and repent of your sins. Put your trust, your faith, your hope in the Lord Jesus Christ and his work to get to heaven. Ignore everything to do with self. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Remember, three things, your problem, God's pardon, and two possible outcomes. If this was your last night on earth, and we were slipping into eternity, 
What would I say to you? Could I say, good night, I see you in the morning? Or would it be goodbye, I'll never see you again? I trust that God will bless his word, shall we pray? Our Father, we bow in thy holy presence once again, in the name of thy Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. We thank thee again for him. We thank thee for another opportunity to make known the message of the gospel. We thank thee for this commandment commandment that we have to go go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved and he that believeth not shall be damned our father we thank thee for salvation in many parts of northern ireland recently and we just pray that salvation might even come to Ballyclare tonight we pray that there would be those who have heard not the voice of the speaker but the voice of god we pray that they would have spoken to their hearts and we pray that they would really weigh up this choice as to where they will be in eternity. We commit ourselves unto thee and ask for safety in the roads home. In the Saviour's precious name, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.